Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hadley, and I welcome you to the 100th episode of the Viewfinder Podcast. Before I introduce my guest on this very special show, I want to first thank all of you for listening to, supporting, and sharing this podcast since our very first episode premiered way back in 2019. I also want to thank all of the amazing actors, writers, and filmmakers who I've had the honor of chatting with about their incredible projects, as well as the overall ups and downs of being an artist. I've learned a lot from them about their experiences in the creative world and about the enormous work that goes into making films, web series, literature, and podcasts. I definitely hope that you have too, and I look forward to bringing you many more in-depth conversations with more outstanding artists in the years ahead, including the brilliant filmmaker that I'm thrilled to welcome back to this week's show, writer and director Scott Sullivan, who's making his third appearance on this podcast. In 2021, he talked to me about his first feature film, the suspenseful thriller Trigger Girl, and then last year he returned to discuss his first episodic endeavor in the crime drama Gravity. Now he's back to tell me, and you, about his second feature-length film. It's called Chances, and as you'll find out on this week's show, it's a film that, unlike many issues-based dramas that passively examine important topics, uses storytelling to find solutions to, and save vulnerable lives from, the epidemics of gun and gang violence in America. And now on this special 100th episode of the Viewfinder podcast, it is my honor and pleasure to welcome filmmaker Scott Sullivan to talk about his important new film, Chances. Scott, welcome back to the Viewfinder podcast, and thank you so much for coming on on this special episode. It's great to have thank, you. Thank you for having me, Chris, and congratulations on 100 episodes. That is amazing, my friend. It definitely is, and I'm so happy that you are a part of it and you have been a part of it in the past. Yes, yes, way back in the days of Louisiana International Film Festival. Yeah. For those who may not know, I originally wrote for my Medium blog about a film that he had at the Louisiana International Film Festival in 2018 called The Unknowable Catherine Bonaire. And for those of you who have listened to this show, I interviewed him about his first feature film, Trigger Girl, several years ago. That was great. Yes, yes, yes. Good times. Now, tell us more about Chances. What is it about? What's the overall storyline of it? Well, Chances deals with a, a young man who is really caught up in a vicious cycle of gun violence and gang culture. Um, and the film focuses less on his activities within those two things and more on his journey of coming out of those things, of transforming his life and the, the challenges of dealing with the internal trauma of gang violence and gun culture um, and some of the things he has to do to transition himself out of that lifestyle um, and uh, what it really takes. It's, it's, a, very, it's a story about a very... Um, I, I'd like to think it's an honest approach to, to changing one's life. It definitely is. What inspired you to make the film, and in what ways, if any, have your own experiences 
living in a world where gun and gang violence are all too common, inspired its characters and stories, specifically that of Kevin, played in the film by Trayvon Pope. I felt compelled to make this film more than anything else. Um, this is something that uh, that touches every community, um, and not just here in Louisiana or the United States, but this is a this is a global issue. Um, and I I had some things on my mind that I kind of wanted to to put out into the world. Um, and you know, I I offer no answers. I I I hope to start conversations, and that's that's what compelled me to to make this film. Um, now, as far as how my my own experiences have uh, have been uh, have played a part in this. Um, What's amazing is during the making of this film, there were a lot of people in it who have had direct experiences with um, with gun violence, and um, I as well have uh, with family members or, or, or encounters that I've been close to. Um, and uh, it's just amazing how how much this has touched all of us, and it's it's something that it's unfortunate that we have this in common, but. Um, there's also power in that um, because we can also share the the healing process, which is uh, which is really big for me is realizing that as individuals and as communities, we've all experienced some type of trauma because of the violence that has even even either gone on with us or around us. Um, so that that really played a huge role in um, creating this film. In what ways, if any, is it similar to and or unique from your past work as a writer and director? This is the latest film, by the way, from your production company, Sully Scope Films. Yes. Um, I guess uh, I whenever whenever I'm making a film, I always uh, try to set out to, um, to really get to know a character. Um, in, in different ways. And so in, in that sense, this, this film uh, is really similar to other films. Um, but the way this film is different uh, is that it's, it's a little more realistic. Um, it's still a fictional uh, piece of work, but there's, there's really a certain amount of realism um, in the story and that um, what the character deals with uh there are people who are actually dealing with this and, and worse. Um, it's nothing that I, I had to, to really make up or, or fictionalize. These are, these are stories that are common to, to a lot of people. Um, and so that, that also, uh, that also kind of the difference is I had to handle this in a, a much more, um, I'll use the word respectful way, really, really try to, this in a way that respected the actual experiences of people who are going through these things um so that 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 would be the that would be the difference compared to other dramas that merely examine tough subjects like crime chances takes a poignant psychologically based and solution seeking look at the aftermath of gun violence and gang violence plus the danger of living a criminal lifestyle and the difficult path it takes for someone to move past it all, all of which we see from the perspective of Kevin, played by Trayvon Pope, who in the film is a troubled gang member. 
Discuss how you, in writing the screenplay for this film, developed Kevin's character in both an internal and external sense, and how his journey corresponds to the proactive storytelling style that you set up for this film. Well, um, Kevin, uh, I tried to, what I tried to do was take a, a character um, and put him in a, a situation that, um, let's see, I, I tried to be careful with not putting him in a situation that was altogether hopeless, um, because that's, that's a different story, I feel. Um, but put him in a situation where they're de he's definitely quite quite far away from the, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but also dive into the the internal challenges that um, that kind of let us get a glimpse into to what may keep him from getting closer to um, to an end goal of changing his life. Uh, and the, the real the real idea there is to to help someone who's going through this or who knows someone going through this to to see this and kind of uh, process uh, for themselves um, what this might look like for their own individual situations. Um, like I said, it's a conversation starter, but it's also one of those um, one of those things where I want somebody to, to go home after seeing it and really start to think about, well, well wait, how does this relate to where I am? And um, how does what he went through uh, apply to what I'm going through? And how could I use that in a very practical way in, in my life? Um, so it was it was important to to kind of balance those things. Um, and um, what, what was the second part of your question, Chris? Because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm I can go down a rabbit hole. But okay. what was the second part? Basically, what I wanted to ask was how his journey, his arc corresponds to the proactive storytelling style that you wanted to achieve for the film. Basically, how you wanted to connect it to the solutions-based storytelling that you wanted to have, as opposed to merely examining the issue of crime from a reflective standpoint. Yes, yes. And that 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 was that was very important for this this film and um a very critical piece to the approach of it. Um I've always been a fan of uh, the the crime genre, um, and it, it's it's entertaining. It delves into a world that 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 some of us don't um, don't get to experience. And when it's it's well told, it's a it's a very they're very emotional pieces. Um, but what I wanted to do was not just say, okay, here's the problem. And here's how bad it is and create another um, tragic ending in the crime genre because uh, these these tend to be tragic stories. Um, I wanted to say, OK, we know this is a problem. We know this is bad. We know this will end bad for this character if he keeps going. Uh, but what if he doesn't? What would that look like if he decides to try to get out of this. What's, what's the story there? What's the story of, of overcoming? Um, and so uh, that, that was the, um, that was the approach we took for this. And, and like I said earlier, we, we wanted to try to make it so it wasn't uh, all, 
all fiction and fantasy. Uh, you know, he, he snaps his fingers, tries a little bit harder, and he's the CEO of his own company uh, the next day uh, because that's we know it's not like that. Right. Uh, so we, we tried to keep it try to keep it honest. Um, and I think that keeping it honest is probably it would be a lot more helpful for me if I were watching something like that. So hopefully it's helpful for someone who needs that type of messages. You know, they know, hey, this is this is possible, but this is this is how it may really look to try to change. Trayvon gives an incredible performance as Kevin. How did yes. you end up casting him? In what ways did his real life experiences with gun and gang violence make his portrayal of that character effective? And how will real people who find themselves in Kevin's position identify with his character and his struggles with all the temptations that he has to deal with? Drugs, guns, gang members, all that. Um, Trayvon is uh, an excellent, uh, he's an excellent actor. Um his uh, the way he approached the part was just amazing, in in my opinion. Um, he uh, he was actually set to play another role in the film, and um, it just so happened, uh, you know, the way things kind of pan out in development pre-production, um, we ended up uh, moving him to the the lead character and I, I really had no idea how he would play out as a lead character but there was just there was something about him um and I didn't find out what that was until we, we started rolling the camera um and um I'm I'm really hoping that his his authenticity comes through because I, I think the the funny thing about it and um Trayvon will probably share his story is he he grew up in that world, but he was the the opposite of Kevin. He was a kid that that was able to make the right choices growing up um, before ever having to get into that kind of stuff. But um, he had his like like all of us, he had a share of experiences that he was he was able to draw upon. And so I think drawing upon those experiences that um, that he went through with people he knew. Um, really uh, influenced and gave an authentic uh, delivery um, in his approach to, to Kevin's role. Um, and I, I hope, um, well, I know that um, people can, can see that and um, realize that there's, there's somebody, there's somebody on that screen that knows something about what they're, what they're actually um, portraying. Uh, and I think that just makes it a little more effective when trying to share a message. Definitely does. And we also see how Kevin's life is affected both by the friendships with the two gang members he associates himself with, as well as the few people who are looking out for his own best interests, specifically his grandmother, his fiance, and his therapist. Describe how those characters were developed, how you found the actors that portrayed them, and how their experiences with gun and gang violence helped to ground their performances in realism. Yes. Um, so, you know, the the thing about, about changing one's life is um, there a lot of it is really contingent upon um, what's going on around you. And... Uh, 
the influences that that you you face in everyday life are really play a big part on on your ability to to do the things you want to do um so it was important to show in this story that uh that most of us have some sort of support structure somewhere um sometimes it's difficult to identify it and recognize it so part of this story is to 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 maybe shine a light on on that the fact that um it may not be your immediate family it may not uh you know be somebody who's in your family but uh you do have a a support structure somewhere and that's something you have to identify and and nurture um in order for it to benefit you. Uh, so uh, we had uh, Monique Lamont who played the grandmother, um, wonderful talent. She just fit right into the role. She understood it. Um, and she's had experiences in that world as well. So that, that makes, makes a difference. Um, but also we wanted to add a, an aspect of, of mental health to this, um, which is huge. I think, um, a lot of times in these situations, we think it, these are, are bad apples, bad actors, and they're, they're just doing what they do. And we don't dive into the inner workings of, uh, of people caught up in gang and, and gang life or, or gun violence and what that does to them internally or what has led them to that. Uh, a lot of times it's not always a, a, I'm going to wake up in the morning and pick up a gun kind of thing. Um, so we, we, I created the, the therapist character in Craig Shiloh, who you will recognize from many of my films. Um, he just fit right into that role and, uh, he embraced it and he delivered. Um, and his, his role was really to act as, to take the audience through a therapy session because <laughs> some of the things he goes through, maybe we could ask ourselves or maybe we can identify with and and think about um so um hopefully those those two aspects of the story um do drop those those nuances uh with audiences as for the actors who play the two gang members and mm -hmm. Kevin's fiance who plays them and how did you find them okay um we have well i found these that uh, you know we put out some casting casting calls um and uh the fiance, well, the lady who turns out to be his fiance, uh, Jaya Turner. She came through a, a casting call, and um, she she auditioned, and she she was she was the right one for the part. Um, now we had his two his two friends, Artrell uh, Clark and Freddie Coates, uh, were actually uh, recommendations. Um, by uh, two ladies I always work with, um, Trisha Pruitt and Pedro Thomas. And um, they uh, <laughs> they turned out to be phenomenal. I'll, I'll um, you know, give a special mention to, to Freddie Coates, who was actually um, casted the day before he shot his part. Um, we had a... Uh, 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 one of our actors, uh, the one who was supposed to play that role, um, ended up testing positive for COVID the day before. So we <laughs> we were scrambling. 
And we were, I mean, you know, there's such a thing as uh, divine intervention. Um, and then we really felt it there because uh, I think uh, Freddie, with the time he was given, really elevated that that role in, in a way beyond what I could have imagined. And um, with Artrell playing the, the other character, he he decided to take a very psychotic approach to it, this this quietly psychotic approach to the role. Um which, which I thought was, was different. Um, and I, I trusted him with that because he's a, a wonderful actor and he pulls it off. Um, it's, it's such a wonderful balance of, of personalities uh, with those three guys. And how, if at all, did their experiences with violence influence their performances in the film? I, you know, like I said, they, everybody, this has touched everybody. Um, so as they're as they're playing these roles, they're they're drawing on things that they they may have seen or heard or or lived at some point. But we we've all um, it's a human thing to kind of be boxed in or up against a wall or be a victim to to one's you know, not a victim but a product of one's own environment um, and to feel the pressure or the the um, the reality, uh, imagined reality of, of limitation. Um, so all of that stuff they could they could draw upon to kind of deliver those performances. The entire film was shot here in Baton Rouge. Yes, um, about ninety five percent of it was shot right at uh, Celtic Studios. Oh, you teamed up with East Baton Rouge District Attorney Hiller Moore on the production of Chances with the goal yes. of having this film become a way to save young people from both gun and gang violence. What mm -hmm. did he bring to the table in terms of both the solutions-based storytelling that the movie employs and the outreach that you both are doing in your efforts to make a positive difference in the lives of those at most risk of these forms of violence? He, um, as you know, Hiller Moore uh, has been the, the DA for quite a while now. Um, so when you talk about what he brings to the table, he brings, um, a treasure chest of experience and knowledge that, um, that I don't think anyone else could bring as far as this subject matter is concerned. Um, but all throughout the development process, um, uh, he would, uh, constantly send me emails on, um, research that he had uncovered uh, or discovered um, or, uh, you know, things that, that, that he's experienced or, or he's, he's working through, the, you know, the challenges, the, you know, the hopes and things of that nature. Um, but his, uh, his support, because it's, it's a unique position for a DA to take to, um, to be so proactive because this is a very proactive approach um, is, you know, the whole thing that we had uh, in developing this was we, we want to try to do something that, that stops things before the kids pick up the guns, because once they pick up the guns and do what they're going to do, um, there is such a thing as, you know, we're a little too late. Um, so we're trying to be a little, less late if that makes sense uh there's this it's so complex the issue is so complex and this is not a 
a be all end all solution to it by far, but it is, it is us doing something. And he has a, a larger plan, a larger vision for the project that he'll share uh, when the time comes. But this is a very targeted approach that's meant to have a very specific outcome. And um, I, uh, I applaud his efforts and the efforts of his office and their, their courage for um, taking on, you know, such a, what I consider a radical approach to, uh, to gun violence and gang culture. In an interview that DA Moore gave to the Baton Rouge advocate after the film premiered, he talked about the possibility of chances being used by his office as the key component of a gun diversion program that will keep first-time offenders from potential recidivism. What's the status of that program's development? How far along is it? And when, if at all, will it launch? Um, you know, that's a, that's a great question. And um, I don't have an exact uh, date on that, but I will tell you that um, they are... They are definitely blazing a trail as uh, as far as their 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 uh, their advancement with the the project and the rollout of it. Um, so uh, while I, I can't give any specifics right now, um, the I can confidently say that this will be this will be soon. That's great. That's great. Now, what other organizations, if any, have you and DA Moore partnered with on this film's outreach? And what contributions are they making to ensure that people affected by gun and gang violence are helped? You know, that that's another, I mean, um, you know, you ask the best questions, Chris. You really Thank do, you. man. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's almost like you've done this a hundred times, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, the, that, that is, that is kind of the, I won't say it's the question mark, but it's the the opportunity for discovery um, and exploration. Who who could this help, and how could we uh, how could we put this in the right places? Um, the DA's office does have its ideas about um, the initial rollout. We'll we'll go to, um, but there's a there's a lot of room for. Um, for expansion, there's a lot of places to touch with this. And I think um, after the initial rollout, uh, we'll start to, the the plan, the larger plan for this, the even larger plan will start to reveal itself um, because this could definitely, um, you know, I've had a few requests from schools about this uh, already. Um, so there's, there's definitely an interest and, um, you know, we're, we're creating more like this and looking for other partners uh, for funding for other things like this, because it's it's it seems that it's pretty effective. Um, so, uh, you know, who, who knows? Who knows, Chris? Uh, this, this could go anywhere. Since Chances had its premiere this past August here in Baton Rouge, what are some of the other major steps that you, D.A. Moore and local law enforcement are taking to bring the movie to people who are dealing with the same problems that we see Kevin go through in the film. And to add to that, are there any programs in place already to accomplish this and to bring about the solutions that the film encourages for gun and gang violence prevention? Yeah, and I think uh, the first part of your question had to do a lot with um, the, the initial rollout of the project. 
um, where we'll we'll kind of see um, we'll kind of see where this starts to land and how people can start making use of it. Uh, and I think that's the that's kind of the the challenge, but also the beauty of it is that um, here uh, where we are, there's there's never been anything quite like this. There's no approach, so there's no um, there's kind of no roadmap or no uh, no manual on to let us know how this could or would go. Uh, so we'll we'll start to see. Um, now, as far as any other programs, there are um, other programs out there, and I I think that's um, that's also uh, a point or a conversation that I hope we start having um, here in the community is uh, it takes more than just uh, one program here, one program there, or a film about it here. Um, this issue has to be addressed on all levels. There needs to be all sectors of the community need to be sitting at a table and discussing how this impacts our community and how each sector can contribute according to its own resources, gifts, and talents to a solution. Uh, we don't all have to be doing the same thing. We don't all have to be doing it in the same room. Uh, but it, it, it should be that somebody in this community who is facing that issue, wherever they find themselves in the community or whatever sector they find themselves in, they should have uh, some ability to reach out and touch someone who can help them with this issue if that's what they are seeking. Uh, because I, I think the biggest tragedy is to have a young man or a young lady like Kevin say, I want help, and they reach out their hand, and there's no hand on the other end to, to help pull them up. Uh, so hopefully that uh, that's something that we continue to work on as this rolls out and as other people doing other programs continue to develop their programs. As of now, what organizations here in Baton Rouge, as well as throughout the state and perhaps nationally, are going to accomplish these? You know, um, it will start out, um, and I, I think the DA's plan will probably focus on on other district attorneys, um, but they're, I guess I could start naming organizations, but any organizations that are dealing with young people, um, and there are many in the community, um, of course, they could they could be candidates for helping out uh, or disseminating this information. Um, I go back to the schools. Uh, you know, the audience for this is is kids of of middle and high school age um, and slightly beyond. Uh, and there's no better place to, to, to capture that audience than, than in schools. Uh, so I would hope that, that this would be inserted into the, the, the school system in some, some, uh, some meaningful way. And, you know, part of that, part of that is really as, as this continues to develop and the DA continues to develop his end of it is, um, is seeing what that, that looks like. Uh, it's a, it's kind of a, you know, uh, a lesson in, in being able to adapt. Uh, and we're going to have to adapt to whatever the, the, um, the quote unquote market calls for on this. Uh -huh. Well, yeah. we wish you all the very best of success in those efforts. Thank you. Thank you. We, uh, 
we need it and um we need we need help i should say we need our support um because this is uh this is not the end of the road for this uh it, it's got a very long journey ahead of it um so yeah thank you you're very welcome and of course if we can get this to young people then that's where the biggest impact is going to be we can get them to just think about the consequences of a criminal lifestyle and of violence gun violence gang violence and if we can just prevent them from going down the wrong path then that will make a big difference absolutely i agree and um you know getting them to think about the consequences you're ab- absolutely right that is that is important that's a huge part of the battle um and i'll add to that if we can also as a community uh along with those young people who are thinking about those consequences if we can all collectively think about the solution what to do once a person says no i don't want that life anymore uh that's what this is all about you know it's you have to replace uh what you left with something else and um that's what we got to work on indeed now considering the trauma that victims of gun and gang violence endure how if at all is chances helping law enforcement and other social organizations in baton rouge to employ psychiatric help as a tool for those victims to deal with their pain. Yeah, this is, like I said, this is, um, this is a piece that I hope, uh, and there's, there's a lot of people who are aware of this already, um, but there's no harm in, in magnifying the conversation of, of mental health. Uh, this, this piece uh, for me, uh, is really a product of, of me being very hyper aware of the levels of trauma that, that we face as a community. And it's something we don't talk about, we don't acknowledge, or we don't realize. But, um, you know, you, if you go to, if you stop at a red light and you've just um, heard, been bombarded by news stories of carjackings, uh, and you find yourself looking at who's next to you and 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 you you're really anxious about the green light coming. Well, guess what? You we're traumatized. You know, <laughs> we're, we're that something's not right. You shouldn't have to feel like that in your community. Um, so hopefully this this piece will open up that conversation. Law enforcement is not immune to trauma. The things that they see every day, uh, when you talk about how they process it, because it affects how they they go about their job. Um, it affects how they deal with others who are traumatized. This is a, a huge issue, a large conversation. And it's something it's something that you just don't deal with in one sitting. This is this is something that has to be unpacked and processed. And I think it's a key. It's a really key part to um to us moving in another direction uh both as you know individually and collectively uh so i i hope this this piece helps in that way it shines a light creates a conversation which leads to solutions i definitely do and you've described this film as not the solution to gun and gang violence but a solution yes yes we could talk for for a long time about what are the the causes or or what's perpetuating it or, or what are the solutions and um 
just you and I talking, we would still fall very short of, of an understanding or any answers because that's how complex it is. So what that means is that the, the solution to it, it won't be one thing and it won't happen overnight, but it can happen. But we have to be very, we have to be very intentional about this. And uh, we have to welcome the, the complexity of it. We have to acknowledge the things we, we don't know and the things that, that we need to learn and be open to those answers. Um, and also, um, we have to be willing to, uh, I'll use the, the cliche, to, we have to be willing to look at the person in the mirror because um, I, I suspect that in some way we all contribute to this, uh, whether directly or indirectly. While it is a, an individual's responsibility, whether or not they, they pull a trigger or participate in violence, they don't do it alone. This is an issue that is uh, both one of um, individual and agency. So we have to be willing to look at that. Absolutely. Now, when and where will audiences be able to see Chances next? And once it completes its theatrical run, will it be made available on streaming? Right now, at the moment, we're we're kind of uh, weighing our options as to when and where we'll show it again. The reason being is that um, it's very contingent on the, the timeline of the, uh, the DA rolling out the program which uh, when that their office does roll out the program, they will do a, uh, a larger introduction, um, which will include a, a theatrical screening as well. So we, uh, we may hold off until that point comes because it, it may be, be coming up rather soon. After that happens, then we'll make a decision on how we actually distribute the film because it, it, there will be a plan in place for the um, the distribution of the, the program, which includes the film. So we'll, we'll be able to figure all of that out once all the pieces fall in place. But um, you definitely keep your, your eyes and ears open because there, there is more to come. Definitely. Looking forward to it. And what can we look forward to next from Stolly Scope? Probably the best question of all, my friend. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got so many things I want to do. I've got a, a Christmas movie that um, I'd love to, to shoot. So that, that could be next, but also uh, we've got a, a slate of, of social impact films that are similar to Chances, uh, but deal with different topics. And uh, they're all topics that, that we're, we're facing, um, such as uh, sexual assault, mental health, uh, another angle on, um, on gun violence. But these are all films that are looking to uh, create conversations around solutions as well. So there's a slate of films um, that I hope to to partner with someone to get done on that that front, and then um, I've got my uh, outlandish uh, films that come from my bizarre imagination that I'd still like to take on at some point, uh, as well as some um, some separate uh, some other business ventures which are um, involve film but don't uh, but are not about making films per se. So. There's a, there's a lot on the plate. Definitely. It's great to see that you're busy and it's great to see that you're creative. And I look forward to having you come back on the show in the near future to talk about what you've got going on. Anytime, man. Anytime. I, I'll talk to you before I talk to anyone else. Man. <laughs> Thank you. That's that's That really means a lot, Scott. I really appreciate that. And it's always a pleasure to talk with you. And I wish you nothing but the best with everything that you've got coming from Sully Scope. 
Thank you. I, I, it means a lot, man. And um, once again, congratulations on 100. And uh, would it be ironic if we're talking on 200? Uh, yeah, so. that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Finally, yeah. above all, what do you hope chances will achieve, not just for you as a filmmaker, but even more so for those who see it? If I were to run into some young person and they said, uh, I saw chances and um, it made me think again about what I was about to do. I think that's the whole reason for, for making the film in the first place is to just have somebody think again and and choose differently. If that were to happen with one person, I'd be happy. But of course, I'd love for that to happen with a million people. That's it. That's all I want from you. Definitely. Scott, thank you so much again for coming on the Viewfinder podcast to talk about chances and for being part of this special 100th episode of the show. And it is always a pleasure to talk with you and to promote your great work. And I look forward to having you back on again in the near future. Absolutely. The pleasure is always mine, Chris. Thank you so much. Scott Sullivan, the writer and director of the new film Chances. Hopefully that will be coming soon and hopefully it will reach a lot of people in need of saving their lives from gun and gang violence and hopefully going down the right path in their lives. That's the Viewfinder podcast for this week. I'm Chris Hadley. Thank you so much for listening to this special 100th episode of the show. Here's to 100 more and beyond. Thank you so much. And as always, please stay safe, everyone.